This is the Sales Bevel Podcast, episode 343, Go For No, an interview with Andrea Waltz. Welcome to Sales Babble, the podcast that shares selling secrets for non-sellers. And now your host, Pat Helmers. Hello, sales babblers. This is Pat Helmers, and today our guest is Andrea Waltz. Andrea is the co-founder of Courage Crafters, and she's also the co-author of the best-selling book, Go for No, Yes to the Destination, No is How You Get There. Andrea teaches people in virtually every business and industry how to think and feel differently about failure, rejection, and the word, no. Now is the time to get over those feelings of rejection, sales babblers. Realize that you can't get to yes unless you hear a few no's. And so, with no further ado, let's get to it. Welcome, Andrea. Are you ready to babble? I am. I just finished your book because I just got your book on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so excited to get it. The book is Go for No, and it's subtitled, Yes is the Destination, No is How You Get There. Tell us what you mean by that, that no is how you get there. Yeah, well, um, we have created a little bit of a marketing challenge for ourselves because most salespeople do not want to hear the word no. <laughs> um, and so we named the book Go for No, which does sound like a little bit of a problem, but Ultimately, what we are saying is that you can't get to yes, especially a lot of yeses, if you're not willing to hear more no's, if you're not willing to go through the failure and the rejection and to get better, obviously, um, to improve your skills to get those yeses. So yes is the destination, of course, but really it's by embracing no, seeing the value in no and going for more no's that gets you there. And I totally get this because I remember I was a freshman in college. I had a professor and he was talking about how to apply for a job. And his whole idea was that you apply to lots of places and it's okay if you get lots of no's, lots of rejections, because that ratio is, is for, and he would pull a number out of, out of the air, like for every nine no's you get, you're going to get a yes. So if you put out a hundred, that means you'll get 10 yeses and you get to pick from these really great jobs. That's kind of what we're talking about, right? I love that. That's exactly what we're talking about. And in fact, that you bring that up. I mean, this concept is a sales concept for sure, but it is a concept that can be applied to anything. I mean, we have we have uh, people in the entertainment world, actors, actresses, um, musicians, who artists of all kinds who understand, hey, I need to get my work shown. I need to go on 300 auditions, not three in order to get chosen, you know, for a part. At the same time, <laughs> I'm a bit skeptical. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Okay, good, good. I think, of, I think of these robocalls that I get all the time. And, you know, they, they call me up and they say, we've been trying to get in touch with you and this is our final attempt. And I know that's a lie because it mm. isn't their final attempt because they're going to call me up next week. And I feel like what they've done is automated this idea of no, that if it just call enough times, something's bound to stick. Yes. That, is it this book? I don't think this is this book. <laughs> no, it's not because there are there is so much more to it. And obviously in today's world, I mean that that is a that is a quantity over quality strategy. And certainly 
um, there is a certain amount of numbers game gamedness to this whole process in anything, right? And so you you know that they're going to call you back. They know that they've got to try you 12, 15 times before maybe they'll wear you down and just, you know, convince you into doing whatever it is they want you to do. So um, there is a certain amount of that. We don't advocate for being pushy or aggressive and make people insane. I mean, ultimately, there comes a point where you don't want to chase people. But the numbers game strategy has gotten automated and people know that, that it, it's like you, you're automating persistence, right? So there's like, that happens in real life because they know it works. But I don't know if it does work. And that's kind of the thing that I'm wondering these days, because I think the world with the internet has changed, you know, that it's more about building, having trust in the people that you're speaking to. It's more about building relationships. I think you're right. And that, that comes from like networking and content marketing and referrals and stuff like that. Absolutely. It's working less and it's working less and less. I mean, that's why, and I think that's why these things are at the numbers and at the levels that they have to, that they have to get to um, because they know that they're being ignored and, and all of that. So yeah, eventually people are going to have to change tactics because it, it's just not working. There was an interesting story in the book about the clothier, the guy who had sold like $1,200 worth of um, clothes. Yes. Could you share that story? Yeah, absolutely. So it is really kind of the central core story of what Gopher No is all about. And Richard, um, it is a story that actually happened to him. And he was working in a menswear store. His sales were pretty horrible. Um, He was pretty sure they were going to fire him. And the district manager was coming to visit the store to check things out. Um, he thought that by, you know, being there and hopefully performing well, that he maybe could get some more time to improve his sales before he got literally fired. And so when the district manager came to visit, he ended up helping a customer who walked in that day who announced that he wanted to buy an entire wardrobe of clothing. And so Richard took care of this man and he bought a suit and a sport coat and shirts and ties, slacks, socks, belt, underwear. It was a huge sale back in those days. Um, it was $1,100. He was certain that he was now going to be rewarded by this district manager who was there watching him. This guy's name, by the way, was Harold. So he's thinking that Harold's going to reward him for this great sale. And Harold finally asks him, uh, Richard, this question. And the question was, out of curiosity, Richard, what did that customer say no to? And Richard said, uh, what do you mean? What did that customer say no to? Did you just not, you know, see the sale I had? It was amazing. It was eleven hundred dollars. The guy bought all this stuff, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. We know what the yeses were. We just need to look at the sales check." What I'm asking you is, what did that customer say no to? And Richard had to admit that the customer technically didn't say no to anything, that everything he had showed that man, the man purchased, because at the beginning of the transaction, the man was like, hey, I want to buy an entire wardrobe of clothing. So Harold said, you know, um, if he didn't say no to anything, then how did you know he was done? And that was kind of the second life-changing question, because Richard had to admit that um, he didn't know how this guy was done. It was basically the guy had hit his mental spending limit. He took him over to the register, rang him up and sent him on his way. And the kind of the end of the story was that Harold said, you know, I watched you sell. You're not half bad, but your fear of the word no is going to kill you. And he said, if you could just learn to get over that, I think you could be, you know, one of the great ones. 
And as Richard tells the story, he went home that night, two letters from greatness, and the letters were N-O. He didn't know if he had what it took to um, succeed, but he knew that he had, you know, he had what it took to hear no more often, that he could literally fail his way to success. (laughs) Yeah, this idea of living, leaving money on the table can be really disconcerting. Um, How do you know when you've said too many no's and you've become pushy. Right. How do you know? Um, So that is, I think, the number one concern of most people in any business, in any profession. It's this desire not to be seen as one of these pushy, aggressive, salesy salespeople that don't care, that are just trying to get the sale. And so my biggest piece of advice is you've got to listen. You've got to ask great questions. It's not just about showing thing after thing after thing and and selling and selling and selling. And to kind of go back to this point of automation that we talked about, you know, at the beginning here, when you go to even, a, um, maybe you're buying something online, they automate the go for no process, right? You, you find the thing you're looking for, you put it in the shopping cart, you're ready to check out. And then all of a sudden, this little pop-up thing pops up and it says, wait, before you go, did you know that you could also get, you know, XYZ product for 50% off? And you go like, I don't care. I don't want XYZ product. Get me to the shopping cart, right? You're trying to check out. And then all of a sudden they put something else up and say, hey, also, you know, you can get free shipping if you could just spend $20 more. So there's all of these things that, I mean, persistence and go for no is, is getting automated. To not do it when you're with someone, to be pushy is really where you have to ask questions to make sure that the things that you are recommending and suggesting, you're doing it for a reason and you're doing it in the person's best interest. You've got to make sure that that's clear. So we're never advocating, hey, just go for no for a bunch of stuff. Doesn't matter. You know, you're just trying to throw things at people. Absolutely not. You remind me of Vistaprint. (laughs) Right? Vistaprint asks you like eight questions before you before you finally close that shopping cart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've they've automated the process and they know that for a certain percentage it works. And for some people, it's very annoying and you just want to get to the cart and check out. It's like enough already. Um, I would have gotten the, that product if I had wanted it. And for some people, it is a service. And so the question that you know a company like that has to ask is, is it worth it to maybe annoy some people but also generate some revenue and hopefully provide a higher level of service in this automated world, hopefully a coming at it from a more to sell is to serve mindset saying, hey, you could get this. Hey, you could also add the business cards and get 50% off, you know, all of these questions that they come up with. Um, and if you can tie it into service, then that's where it, it is a service. Um, but when, but I think there are, there are ways to do it wrong for sure. Yeah. And that goes right back to what you said before, that if you're in front of somebody selling, that you need to be mindful and awake to what they're saying to gauge that. 
Absolutely. I mean, like if, if somebody tells you or, or you're, you're paying attention and they're like, Hey, I just, this is what I need. And I don't want to, and I, I want like, I want the cheap one. I want the, I, I, this is a replacement for something I lost. And I, I, this is, this is whatever. It's like pay attention and serve them to the best of your ability. And that will pay off in the long run because um, they will come back to you. Right. If you're, if you're doing the right things. Yeah, that's right. There was another thing in the book that I really appreciated that maybe I wonder if you could elaborate on this idea that many of the no's that you get are really not no's. What they really are is no, not now. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that is so, I, I feel like that is so true because um, people typically do not like change. And this goes for many of the things that we have to buy and do in our lives, right? No one wants to have to buy life insurance. No one, you know, if you need a new car, it's a very, it can be a very disconcerting, unsettling process to have to get rid of your old car and buy a new car. And you're desperately hoping not to make a mistake. Um, and I think this goes for so many things that we do in life, uh, buying a, a new house, making some kind of change. And so a lot of times the knee jerk reaction is no, no, we put up walls. We don't want to be sold. We're, we're afraid of making, making a mistake. And so salespeople have to be okay with that and you have to understand that and make it work for you and understand that that person is going to probably make that decision. They are going to list to their house. They are going to eventually buy that car. Do you want to be the person there to help them do that or not? And if you do, you have to stay persistent and add value and be ready when that person is ready to, to say yes. Yeah, that's that whole recognition that there's that it's really a buying process, not a selling process. And people are going to take their sweet time. It's their money. They're the ones making the decisions and we need to honor that. Absolutely. And there's, you know, there's a, um, sales is, is part science and it's part art in my opinion. And the reason I say that is because there's no black and white, perfect rules. You know, it's, we're dealing with humans. We, we're humans and the buyers are human. And so because of that, it's always going to be a little messy and you have to do your best to, as you said, read people, read the situation. And sometimes you do have to advocate for people. I, I, I agree with you. I, I like that, that it is a buying process. Um, and then at the same time, you have to say, is there a time where maybe somebody really needs to do this and I need to help them off that fence of indecision? I need to push them on the right side because it's right for them. Just like you might push your mom or your sister who's saying, I don't know if I need to get this. And you go, mom, just get it and be done with it for the love of God, right? You just like, you want to help, you know, someone you love, you feel comfortable pushing them and advocating for them. And so sometimes we need to do that as salespeople. We have, need to have the courage to do that. If we have asked good questions and we believe that this is really going to solve the person's problem. How would people do that? Do you have like a script in mind that people would say that they would, they would maybe share? Try well, to you, you accelerate know, that 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 close. Yeah, that's that's a great um, that's a great question. I, I kind of 
fall back on the kind of tried and, and true things that have worked. And one of them is the feel, felt, found method where you um, kind of empathize with somebody, call out what you see happening. So I know how you feel when I was doing this exact same thing. I've been where you are. I didn't want to make the change. I didn't want to spend the money. Here's what happened, whether it's you or someone else, you know, someone other than you where you can, I think, recount, and this is where stories become powerful, a success story that happened where somebody else was in this person's same position and you can um, help them see how that person made a decision and they were kind of in the same boat. So I, I think that, again, that's kind of where the the art comes in and where you do have to pay attention to um, your past experience and have the courage to share those stories in that moment. I think that's the big thing, Pat, is that, and that's what Go For No is all about, is there's all of these Go For No moments where we have the decision to to take action, to take a chance and to advocate for someone, help them off that fence of indecision by telling a story or maybe asking them. So, you know, are you ready to do this today? Um, like the world's simplest clothes and, and taking those chances instead of letting them drift. Yeah. Well, there's one thing that we haven't addressed yet. Yes. I think probably the most important is that when people hear no, there's that feeling of rejection. Yes. How can, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Right. So the first thing is that um, it's not something that you can get over quickly and easily because it's biologically wired into us. And from, you know, the last million years on the planet or what have you, um, as humans, we are, our brains are, are designed to protect us and rejection theoretically is not a good thing. You don't want to be kicked out of the tribe and left to hunt and forage on your own. Of course, that doesn't help us today. So the rejection is always going to sting a little bit. And I have found that it stings less and less the better practiced you are at using some of the tools and strategies that we suggest, but you can't help but have it sting a little bit. So that, and that's the biology part. And if you can recognize that, um, I think that goes a long way. The second piece is to really learn not to take no personally. And this is, I think, a challenge for everyone. If you are literally selling yourself, quote unquote, so you're a, a CPA selling your services or you're an artist um, selling your art or an actor or actress, I mean, you know, you take it super seriously or personally because it's you. And then you have even salespeople who it has nothing to do with them, but it's like, still, I think there's a tendency for us to look for um, kind of a look for va validation from other people, that outside validation that, Hey, we're good. We're smart. We made the right decision representing this product or service. And now this person has rejected us. And maybe this also means that we're not going to be successful in the future. So there's all of these thoughts and emotions that we have swirling in our mind around this. So learning how to not take no personally is probably the biggest thing. And it really has to do with embracing other people's um, decisions um, and kind of seeing it from their perspective and stepping away and kind of detaching from the outcome and becoming somebody who your goal is really just to get out there and collect decisions 
that it's not about trying to look for that validation. You're just trying to collect a decision and then you move on to the next one. I was thinking this the other day. I re- I really agree with that. Um, I was thinking this the other day that let's say you're, you walk into Target at the grocery store of Target mm-hmm. and there's one of those people there passing out trial little foods, you know, yeah. and you try it and they say, would you like to buy a bottle? And mm-hmm. you go, no. Do you think that person's feelings are hurt? Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> I mean, probably not. Right. You probably hear no like 99 oh. out of 100 times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you know, I mean, there are some people who I think even they, they probably don't in, even enjoy that because, again, they're they're fighting that biology, that desire to be liked and and still. Um, but you're right. Part of it is about getting desensitized to know. And I love your example. And it's the kind of the same example with the waitress who asks if you want a coffee refill i mean she's not going to take it personally if you don't right there's no i'm not i don't want a cup of coffee and by the way you're never going to make it in life (laughs) right right it's not that it's it's not that at all no it's not but it's easy how the brain can take you down these paths and so it is a little bit of a battle but i think when you practice it enough and and that's part of the strategy as well is just to not avoid no, your confidence goes up wildly. And I've seen this with so many people over the years when you're not protecting yourself from getting a no, where you go for no and you try to hear no more often, that's when you find the freedom in realizing that, hey, I survived it. It's not that bad. And I can do it again. I can do it more intentionally. I can survive that. And then you get better and better in it. And that's eventually how you, how it becomes um, to where it really doesn't affect you so much. Yeah. So if you could give our listeners one piece of advice they could take action on this week, what would that be, Andrea? Oh gosh. Um, So many pieces of advice, but I'll start with, I'll start with the first one, which is really to create a no awareness and to look around and say, you know, what are the, what are the things I want in life? What are my goals? What am I trying to achieve? And am I hearing no often enough in order to achieve those things? Create that no awareness and then say, what if I just tried maybe one or two times a week to get an extra no to something, whether it's me asking someone to invest in my business or my project or my idea, whatever it is you're doing, um, uh, just closing the sale, asking for the sale, calling somebody up who said no six months ago, all that just in doing that um, can go such a long way in both your skill of, of doing it, but also you're going to be shocked that the yeses are out there when you start trying that. I love that. If people want to find you, online. Where would that be? Well, we are well-branded. We are go for no everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's G-O-F-O-R-N-O everywhere. In fact, we used to have, when we lived in Washington, um, our license plate was go for no all together, you know, just um, squeezed together. And people used to think it was an Italian word. Um, they used to think it was go for no, I guess. But so anyway, that's a long answer to your very simple question. Very good. 
And when we were talking before we, we started this, uh, was there an assessment or something that you wanted to offer? Yes. So one of the keys here is to increase your no quotient to see, uh, you know, where are you on the scale of your fear of rejection, your fear of failure, how you think and feel about these things. So we do have a free no quotient assessment at gofornow.com and it's um, gofornow.com forward slash uh, your hyphen Q. Excellent. I'll make sure and put that in the show notes. Great. Andrea, thank you very much for babbling with us here in Sales Babble. This has been a ton of fun. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. To learn more about our guest, go to the show notes at www.salesbabble.com and you can find this episode and all the show notes for past episodes right on the homepage. Now, one of the best ways people hear about Sales Babble is from listener reviews. If you could go to your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star comment, that would be really great because word of mouth is how podcasts spread. If you have a question or a comment about this episode or any episode, don't hesitate to reach out by clicking on the Babble Me button right on the website. Love to hear what you think. That's all we've got for today. So until next Tuesday, take care and have a highly successful and a profitable selling day. Thank you for listening to the Sales Babble Podcast. Find us at www.salesbabble.com. This is a production of Abenero Media. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly!